Okay. Are you ready? Yep. I'm Amy Tanyi Zhao, a Chinese living in America. You want me to call you Amy, or do you want me to call you Tianyi? And I'm Meg, an American who is about to marry into a Chinese family. It allows people to have an eye into who we are as people and how we find our own identity in the world. We're the hosts of this world. A podcast that explores what it means to traverse between cultures and shares stories that intersect Chinese and American culture to interrupt cultural barriers and create connections. Hey everyone, a quick note before we kick off this episode. This episode was recorded just after the murder of George Floyd that ultimately mobilized a historic uprising against racism across America. We want you to know that we're actively learning as we go. Opinions, thoughts, and views expressed in this episode may have evolved since its recording, even though you are now just listening to it. Okay, now let's jump back in. Hey, Amy. Hello. How's it going? We are deep into quarantine with this yeah,、uh, with COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy because I never thought that we would ever jump back to this topic again. Because I remember when we recorded. The COVID episode, we felt the pressing need of doing so because that's what was happening, and we didn't want to seem tone deaf. And and by then, there were a lot of information, a lot of content、uh, about that specific subject matter, and we we're doing it again. <laughs> we are. We, we are. Swore, we swore that was the only time we were going to do it, but then here we are. Here we are, and I decided I I brought it. Back to you because I felt like we needed to talk about it to get again, but in a different light. Because I came across this video、um, that was really resonated with me personally. I shared it on my own personal social and everything like that. And it's a video by my favorite advertising agency, Wyden and Kennedy, and its title is "Call It COVID Nineteen." Internally, one of their creative writers put together this video. About the power of a word and how putting labels on something that could have potential negative、uh, repercussions is very dangerous. And as we've seen this epidemic play out on a global standpoint, but also being in America and watching it play out and watching the repercussions of how something even as like a virus can turn political in this country.、Mm. And that is what's so fascinating to me. It's it's fascinating in a not very positive light、um, because I think for the first time we're really we've always known these kinds of these kinds of nuances existed within American society.、Um, when something like this comes up, it just gets super political. But this is on a whole other level. And I remember back in the beginning of the pandemic. We were talking, actually.、Um, I don't know if you remember, but we were texting, and you were sharing with me some videos of different different things、yeah. happening of, of, to people, to Asian Americans and Asians in America, and the things that have been happening to them. You showed a video to me of somebody getting Lysol on a subway.、Mm-hmm. What is so shocking to me is how these things, how such unkind things, are happening in 2020. I mean, these are things that I feel like growing up, I read about in history books as things that would never happen again, but they're happening. And so, when I saw that video, I reached out to you because I I thought the message was just so 
so important. But the other part in reaching out to you, I wondered if we should share it with the spark. And mm-hmm. yeah, yes. And that's and- the reason why we're making this this episode. Yeah. Because yeah, we're not here to talk about whether or not, I mean, initially our entire conversation around this video was sparked because we were going back and forth about the reasons or reasons not to share on the spark account. Mm -hmm. And today we're not here to talk about whether or not we should share that on the spark. It's that's, that's beside the point. What we're here to talk about today is the larger conversation that it brought up between us. And we were talking about this video and discussing whether or not to share it. It was very clear that both of us had different viewpoints and ideas around mm-hmm. this, but they're, they were much bigger than whether or not to share this video. Yeah. And so I want to open this conversation up. Um, and I really want to focus personally, I think where I'm going to be focusing today is just focusing on the racism that COVID has brought forth towards Asian peoples in America. Um, Mm -hmm. Those who call America home and those who call another country home. And you brought up a great point too, um, when it comes to people being affected in this way, you brought up the point that there are Asian Americans and then there are Asians in America. And so I'm really excited for you to kind of unbox that because here's the deal. Also, as a white person, as a white woman, <laughs> it is not, it is you not my- never get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and it's yeah. also, it's not my place to be the thought leader in these kinds of conversations. Yes. And because that's perpetuating like I, I mean, a situation. I'm saying yes, because I think what you said is very valuable and people should realize that. Yeah. Um, but yes, like, but I, I'm very glad that you, you, you think it's important, but I also think it's important that people should know their place. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's so important, especially when it comes to topics of race. Um, it's just not any white person's place to dominate any sort of conversation or try and be the thought leader because that's perpetuating the situation. So From your perspective, I just want to give the floor to you now and then kind of take it from there about your thoughts when I approached you with this video and your thoughts around all of it. Yeah. um, Like I mentioned the first time when we did a COVID-19 episode, I experienced this pandemic from two countries and I lived through it. which was quite an experience and and I'm just going to mention it again here that I went back home uh, for the Chinese New Year uh, and as Chinese New Year was happening the pandemic was also happening at the same at the same time and I had no choice but to leave cut down my vacation at home and to come back to the states as the things were unwrapping it was, and at the time, it was very difficult because I didn't want to leave. And at the same time, I felt, I felt a little, uh, because my dad, he was saying to me that, oh, how, he had these concerns already, right? He's like, oh, how are people going to see you when you went back? And again, for my parents, they had no intention, they didn't you know, China is a very homogeneous country, so they wouldn't think 
um, how am I going to lay out the the different ethnicities and like how the complexities behind it but from parents they just very very innocently came from a worrying perspective they were worrying about how was it going to be like for me right. when I came back right. and and I had that thought I was I told my dad and I said oh it's fine um people were nice people were <laughs> and but really deep down in my heart I didn't know mm-hmm. because how because information could get so simplified as it has been transferred um, in between different people, the stories can be twisted around. And um, so I, I just told him it's going to be fine, but I deep down, I really didn't know. And I came back to New York uh, to resume my job. And I decided to do a two-way quarantine just for the sake of just being a responsible person because I felt that's just a good thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, I turned out all right. And then I went back to work. And then I saw things started unfolding in front of my eyes. And I mean, I'm not trying to blame, but it was quite of surreal seeing um, how how people just didn't think it's going to like I mean the voice of it's going to happen it's going to happen or it was always there but no one did anything and it was quite a surreal it was quite a surreal experience and and then New York going to suddenly became the center of the pandemic my parents were like oh buy rice um (laughs) but really they couldn't do anything but it was funny they thought they, they thought that I'm very experienced in dealing with things like that Mm -hmm. but while it was happening I felt very uneasy and I was nervous because I started seeing videos of Asians being attacked and all that kind of stuff and my parents started sharing me videos of Asians being attacked in in New York in in Queens and like other places and I had to explain to them over and over and over again, I'm fine, but mm-hmm. I can't represent everyone. And first, I'm not Asian American. And these people who were attacked, a lot of them were born in New York. And mm-hmm. I can't, like, I came from China. I live in the States. And I, for a lot of people, like, I, I could see how problematic I am. <laughs> and mm. that was why I was... I was just thinking, just live my life and be responsible and just stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't support the cause. And I think, you know, people should sit down and listen to each other and see how difficult it could be. But at the same time, I really thought it wasn't my place. I just, I think information can be simplified as it has been passed down to different people. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to just support and I think it's also the way that I was brought up. I didn't want to just support a cause without completely knowing what is happening behind. But then the thing is, no one knows. There's no, no such a point of enough. Like, how much information do you have to have in order to be able to support a cause? You right. know, there's never any, any, a point of, like, it's enough. 
so I was feeling very complicated and as I'm living through this and um, again the video great message but uh, I just felt like it wasn't my place to say anything or do anything but the other day the like yesterday I read a post saying that you know you have a platform and you before you post anything such as a meal that you cooked or a a a picnic that you had maybe before you post that you can think what a better thing that you could do in order to um to be vocal about something and mm. to use it correctly right but at first i was thinking you know i can contribute to i can contribute different messages different voices if i share something that is different um, mm. if I share, if everyone is sharing something related to A, if I share something related to B, I'm contributed to a, I'm contributing to a diverse voice uh, or opinions. But then you mentioned that could seem tone deaf. And I think right now and think about it, yeah, it's true. Like I'm, I'm in this specific subject matter, I'm weak because I live through it and I, think I'm very small and I don't think I'm it's just not my place <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense but that, um that makes total sense and um one of the things that you asked me is does taking a stand on social issues and talking about it make ourselves feel better as individuals or is it really what we're supposed to do or maybe both um that was a question that I really had to sit back and examine myself when you asked me that, because I always, and I'm always trying to be really mindful about this, especially now is something I'm doing or saying, is it serving my ego or is it actually serving the cause? If that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, it's like, you know, there's a lot of different things flying around, like what you were saying, like you don't, you're not speaking out about it too actively about a cause but you're doing things that are supporting the cause. And a lot of the time, I feel like a lot of people, I have been one of them at times where I'm speaking out about something. I think I'm doing my job and it makes me feel good because people are agreeing with me and people are, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, like they, it's, it's nice for them to know that I'm with them, blah, blah, blah. But is it, does it even matter if you're not doing something? You know, if you're not mm -hmm. telling people to wear face masks in your day-to-day -day life, if you're not, you know, all the things that you were doing during that. So I thought that was very fascinating to, um, that you brought that up. And another thing that you revealed to me was that when it comes to speaking out on a cause, like what we call this virus in this country, you said that you don't want to speak for everyone because maybe Americans think that everyone is you and you Asians and Asians, Asian Americans. I had a lot of Asian American friends and because that's just natural. I went to Chinese restaurant. We went to Chinese restaurants together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I just think it's not my place mm -hmm. to represent them because I haven't lived through what they have lived through. Right. Not because we're all Asian, because we are all facing what Chinese, what 
quote unquote, the term Chinese virus is bringing to the larger public. Um, so we are the same. No, like I have never went through what they have went through. A lot of people were like seeing differently their entire life and they were seen as non-American for their entire life. I haven't been through that. I was seen as a Chinese and I didn't have to live through that. Mm -hmm. And I just think speaking as an Asian American is a little bit condescending for me personally. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm here to support you. Yeah. First, we are so different. We don't share the same struggle. But I support everything they do in terms of them voicing up themselves. But I'm not them. Right. Um, and if I don't share the same struggle, I don't think it's It's not it's right. fair. It's not relevant. It's not relevant. And it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to seem like, oh, look at me. You know, like, well, look what I have to go through. Mm-hmm. And well, other people who are Asian American are going through it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I feel a little bit guilty about that. Take us there for a second. What you're, you said you feel a little bit guilty about that. Can you unbox that a little bit further? Um, what do you mean? Like, what exactly do you feel guilty for in terms of Asian Americans? Okay. To be them? Yeah. Yeah. It's because I don't share their struggle. Right. It's and there's, probably, I don't want to say it's equivalent for you, but just imagine that you, I don't want to be the thought leader. And I want to, yeah. I don't want to pretend that I go through what they have to go through. I get and that. I think I don't want to be studying in a position where I had no experience of feeling different, different from other people. Like I had no, I, I lived in a bubble and I, I know that I'm well aware of that mm-hmm. and where I'm treated equally. And I live in Manhattan for God's sake, like, you know, and mm-hmm. I, while they're sharing their struggle, I support the cause, but I just don't want to be like, make people think this is also what I have gone through, but because I right. haven't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that highlights something too that um, I think white Americans don't really think about is that they're just because two people look the same doesn't mean in any sense that they have the same experience. They have the same anything, the same story. Yes. I think there's a sentiment. Oh, what were you going to say? Yeah, there is a sentiment. And also I think a person should never say, that they understand the struggle until they go through it themselves. Right. Yeah. I can never say that, oh, I understand what you go through mm-hmm. when I have gone through nothing. Right. Alike. Right. I just, I don't want to come from, oh, I care about you. Let me heal you. Or mm-hmm. let me, you know, I just, I don't want to seem like a figure like that. Right. I, I just don't want to put, I'm sympathetic towards what's going through. And I think moving forward, I would do again, everything I could Mm -hmm. support, you know, businesses or individuals, but I, but I've never been through what they have been through. And I don't understand 
what have led them here today. And again, like individual struggles are also different. Mm -hmm. And some of them are very fortunate. Some of them are not, but none of them it's, it's me. So, Mm -hmm. um, so yes, that's what I'm very, very careful about Mm -hmm. (laughs) to, to working on, to work on a thing nice. That's such an important point because I mean, a lot of times often when we're trying to empathize with somebody, we say, oh, we understand. I'm sorry what you're going through. I understand. But the thing is, is that we don't understand. If, if yes. you haven't walked that, you don't understand. And yes. you will never be able to understand. And that's yeah. okay. You and that's don't, okay. You don't need to be able to understand to empathize. And I think sometimes we get that twisted in our minds that we have to understand or attempt to understand when honestly attempting to understand or saying that we understand is doing more damage yes. than it is just to exercise your empathy and then exercise your empathy, but go one step further and show compassion. Exactly. That's, that is what you do. Um, I've made the mistake before saying to someone, oh, I understand when and then I mean, that's that, fine right like it's yeah. you don't have to be so term specific i think you're but, a great you're a nice person but like how can we do it better right right I, I think how it's, can it's, we do it better that's the question and the person this was back in college i said to somebody i understood about something they were going through something they were of a different ethnicity and all of this and i told them i understand and they came back at me and they said you don't understand and then yeah. it was it was a big thing and at the time i was i was really upset by that i said well why what do you mean i don't understand because i yeah. was equating understanding to empathy well empathy to understanding yes. when it's two different things yes and I, yeah. I think I've read it somewhere that in t- instead of saying, I understand, um, a better term that you could say is, how can I help yeah. to make you feel better in I this situation? That. I love that. It's just a different way of thinking, right? Uh-huh. How can I, as an outsider, to make you, an insider, feel better? And that's yes. my place. Yes. That's my place. It, it's in those days and I personally don't think sharing a post and mm-hmm. saying oh I feel the struggle is aligning with mm-hmm. my stand my my standard of making things better that's why mm-hmm. I don't do it but like how can I make things better right right how can I help and like I order a lot more from Chinese restaurant than I did before you know mm-hmm. things like that and I think that's my place. Mm-hmm. And I, ha- I have been saying that I couldn't find my place, but I think that's my place. I really love that. I love that you, that's such a great question. I feel like that's something that's so actionable that people can take away from this conversation too, is asking, how can I help? And another thing that I recently have been learning is instead of trying to come into a situation, like trying to fix anything or any, just say, I'm here, I'm yeah. here. I want to ask you something too, um, because, and this is a this is a slightly political, um, but I think it's surpassed political in the sense that we know what's right and we know what's wrong um, yeah. in this country in America, and our president um, during this pandemic labeled the virus. He refused to call it anything but the Chinese virus. And I know we touched on that, yeah. but 
as an Asian in America, I want to make that clear specification because um, I do, I would love for you to um, talk about the difference between Asians in America and Asian Americans. Um, but when he came out and publicly called, repeatedly called the virus, the Chinese virus, this is a virus that could have happened anywhere. This is not just, I mean, the way it, the story is trying to be manipulated, it very creatively manipulated um, about the virus in America is very interesting to me. And I, it's, it's a shame. Um, but what, how did that make you feel when you first, when you first heard that, what, what were the emotions that were going through you? What were you feeling? What were you thinking? I, I, I'm so interested to know yeah. what that experience was like for you. Yeah, for sure. I, it was funny because I actually posted that one <laughs> because I felt I was included. Mm. Um, everything that's Asian American, I shared it between my friends and showed people how terrible it was and you were one of them. Mm-hmm. But I didn't post it online because, again, it wasn't my place. But I tried to do it. Like, I did everything I could to inform people on a personal level. Right. But which is the most tweet, important. Yeah. Like, I, I think so. I think so, <laughs> I mean, too. I, I, again, like, different personalities. But that tweet specifically, um, I'm not really surprised because I think people can do whatever they want. And for him there is i see things in two ways i think it's my my personality i see things as whether it makes sense and whether it morally is right or wrong from my perspective yeah and if i see this from does it make sense perspective i think it makes total sense considering you know his position he's what he is going through he is going to get reelected. What is the easiest way for him to mobilize everyone mm. from a political science perspective, you know, from a PR perspective, even? Yeah. I think that's an easy thing for him to do. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense. And I think a lot of things make sense. But morally, mm-hmm. I think it's wrong. Some people think it's right. Um, unfortunately so uh yeah that was that was my thought process yeah no that's I really love that you took us there because I remember to right when he um right after he said that I was with one of my cousins and she asked me she said I just and this is this is where my being in the middle comes into play oh yeah because um she asked me she said you know, I just want to know, like, what, what is, what is, um, your fiance saying? What is Amy saying about this? And, um, I kind of, I, I told her, I said, you know, personally, like, I can't necessarily speak for them because I haven't explicitly talked to them about it, but the, the feeling I get is that they both feel it's very wrong that they shouldn't, that shouldn't be said. Um, but I love that you just took us through your process, your thought process when you heard that, because I think that's something that maybe, um, 
a lot of Americans who are watching all of this and are trying to do the right thing are curious about. I think sometimes those of us who want to do the right thing, we want to do the right thing, but we're not sure how to proceed or we're not sure what's what the thoughts are of the other person all the time. And we're afraid to ask for this podcast. The mission of it is, is threefold, right? It's expanding American and Chinese people's viewpoints where like, if I can explain something or bring awareness or shift the perspective of fellow Americans, fellow white people on my end, Mm -hmm. because of my conversations with you and vice versa, then that will have done one job right there. But then also you and I having these conversations in the first place, being able to talk with the, with one another already, like for, for me personally, and I feel you feel the same that we've both shifted each other's perspectives and viewpoints. And I know in talking about this whole, this whole situation, um, after when we got into this conversation, after sharing the video, Um, it really shifted my perspective because you started asking me different questions and I was like, Hmm, you know, I never really thought about that. But if I'm just having a bunch of conversations with people just like me who have the same, you know, I'm never going to have that hmm, moment, you know, something new is that we really bring Asians in America on the table. Yeah. Um, and that's just different from we were very new to the situation and again i'm not i don't feel apologetic i don't feel i'm not apologizing for what what is happening i'm simply saying that i'm uncomfortable especially when you know chinese virus or something like that happened i'm not trying to justify it right but i don't think it's ever justifiable and i i i I don't feel apologetic for, you know, it happened in China. Like, I don't, I'm not even sure it's true because no one knows if that's true. Right. And, um, but navigating through a situation where information is not enough. Mm-hmm. Again, I have the personal problem of thinking information is never enough. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in this specific scenario where information is lacking and there is a strong wave of, just not the strong wave of opinions on on a lot of sides um because again i don't want to explain things over and over again i don't think right. i own anyone an explanation no that's the i thing. don't think i i don't think i owe anyone anybody anything no exactly so i think that's why i think I that's think, why i'm trying I think- to stay away and that makes complete sense. Um, that didn't even occur to me, but it's, it's true. Like you are not responsible to explain anything because if you feel, or you, or you're being put in a position where you are quote unquote responsible to explain anything, then you've bought into the narrative that is spinning around this unnecessarily when it shouldn't be in the first place. And so that makes complete sense to me. That makes complete sense to me. And I think that just even more simplifies it. Like that's your place in this situation. Mm -hmm. Whereas my place, I feel like, and I'm still exploring what my place is. I know it's not to be a thought leader. Yeah. It's it's, difficult too, because I feel like you're living in the middle and you know, Mm -hmm. like you mentioned before, people are telling you, oh, 
why don't you go back to the to China and all that kind of stuff while going through all these? Like, what's your experience of, you know, fresh in the middle? Yeah, so fresh in the middle. I mean, it's very interesting because here we have. In America, um, most places do, but in America, I feel like it's especially rampant is the 24-hour news cycle that we have going on and on and on. And unfortunately, what has come as a repercussion of the 24-hour news cycle is that they need to talk about something to A, fill the airtime, but B, get people to watch so their ratings go up and the network makes money. So these crazy hypotheses and um, stories around the virus, COVID, um, I think is more than anything a ploy to get ratings and to fill airtime. Unfortunately, I have people in my life who buy into those narratives. They, um, they, it's real to them. It's real to them. They, and they, and you know, I, I look at it in two different ways. First of all, I'm upset that they are not proactive enough to really dive in and come to their own conclusions. Instead of just coming to the conclusion that was implanted into their head through the news, it would be great if they actually like looked at everything and came to their own conclusion. Um, There are a lot of people in my life that say that they do that, but they don't. it's, It's very obvious. The other part of it is, is I don't know. I just, I, part of me feels like I can't blame them because they haven't had the experiences that I've had or been able to, um, travel in the way that I have. I mean, I feel like my, um, empathy and compassion towards what's happening to, um, Asians, American Asians or, Asians in America or Asians in general, what's happening to them, the sentiment that's being put forth towards them, I feel especially empathetic and compassionate towards because of my exposure to the culture and, yeah. and that I have people in my life who I love very dearly, you included, who if it, if it was in front of me, if it came in front of me that I saw somebody was saying something like that, like we were in that moment. I think about, even though I'm not in that moment, I still feel like I need to speak like I am in that moment and to become, to bring awareness that this is not okay. But here's the other part of it. It is not right for me to say, oh, I have, I'm, I'm, my partner is, um, from China or I have friends from China or that is not right. And that's not right because I should be upset about it anyways, if I didn't, that's the problem. And so there are a lot of people like, it would be so easy for me to say, I just had a family member, um, extended family member who posted something about, oh, China spread the virus and all this, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It would be so easy for me to come at that person and say, oh, well, I really wish you would have thought twice about this because just so you know, you do have someone in your family that is from China, but that's not why he should care about not saying those things. That's yeah, not, yeah, that's not yeah. why he yeah. should, that's, you know, so that's, yeah. and the conversations I've had, I mean, the thing is with people have come to me to ask me what I think, but I also, the people that do come to me, I, 
I would love for them to not ask me, but mm-hmm. go ask the people who have been saying something themselves yeah. who are of those cultures. Who That's are, true. They should go seek those people out, seek out the resources. Don't come to me because we're just creating an echo chamber of white voices. Yeah. And that's a problem in racism with the and issue. It's easy of for it's, them to come to you, right? It's You're easy. like the gate. Exactly. And I, how wrong is it for me to be at the gate? So, in the middle of all of this, between people I love on both ends, um, that has been emotional for me to navigate. Um, and it's also been, um, a journey in which I have to make sure that I am taking full discretion on on everything I say, every action I make. I want to make sure at all times, because I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing and the right thing doesn't always feel like the natural thing. Um, yeah, that's the biggest part is because yes, I want to say, oh yeah, like I want to, I want to, I want to act like, like the natural thing feels like, oh, I want to be the representative of this for, to be the example for the mm-hmm. white people in my life, but that's not my place. And anymore, yeah, anymore. None of it's, none of it is. It's just, and it's also, a, all of this has brought like, for me personally, an unraveling of what I was taught. I think growing up, um, I didn't grow up in, I grew up in a small town where there wasn't much diversity. And so it's, I remember when I was younger, probably in high school, there's that whole idea of, I don't see color. And, um, I remember I thought that was something that was okay to say because, it meant, oh, I'm just treating everybody the same, but that's wrong. You know what I mean? And I, it's Mm -hmm. been years, but I mean, at that moment in time, I didn't know if that Mm -hmm. makes sense, but I also didn't explore if that makes sense. So there's like this. So now at this time in my life being caught in the middle at, before I say anything about anything, it's always important for me to really read up if that makes sense and really yeah. examine myself um but welcome to the club right <laughs> it's very it's and it's I, a fun club it's it's painful because the thing is it i like i really like what you said that it's against your natural instinct or it's against what you have been taught your entire life mm-hmm. and i thought it was and for the longest time I thought it would be liberating, mm-hmm. but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's really just putting me in a position where I know that I complain about I the fact that I have to explain things to just to to clarify things to people to explain the situation. Mm-hmm. It's my job. It's just yeah. what I'm. It's what I learned. It's what I do, mm-hmm. and. I don't, again, I still don't think I own any explanation, but, but that, that's just a part of being in the middle is about what being Mm -hmm. in the middle is about. Mm -hmm. And it's not liberating. And it's actually on the contrary, like it's on the other side of feeling liberating. And I, and I was, and does it, can we translate that into being weak? I don't know. 
like you know because if i didn't see things from both sides maybe i would be more vocal about something maybe i would and get in one side against the other maybe but i i I just couldn't like i never will be anymore Mm -hmm. and it was interesting because um uh one one very critical thing that i learned while i was attending nyu shanghai nyu was critical thinking and i remember we had this class called a global perspective of society and Mm. we will we would discuss those big big topics right yeah i wonder where that come from like what what happened to me today (laughs) look here here we are (laughs) look where we are but um you know, and we would discuss those big topics and the question, like the answer always came down to, it depends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then I learned about writing for the first time in my life, a little bit later comparing to other people, but um, we, we learned how to, you know, source information. And I realized how easy it was to find evidence that support my opinion yeah because if i want to support a cause or support an opinion all i need to do is just to search for evidence just for that opinion right and it's man-made and the essay will always come down to a structure a structure like this um i this here's my opinion here are the the evidences or you know the literature review that support my opinion and here are a critical opinion that against it and why right like the logic behind it and that's that's considered as a good essay but at least when i was a sophomore junior i'm sure that things got a lot more complicated as uh, as i went through the entire academic process but i just realized it's all i can structure it it's a thought process and I'm already being manufactured to think like that. I mean, of course there are merits of it because I do see things from both sides, but I could choose not to at first, but I could choose not to if I don't want to. And second, right. Um, it just makes things more, I will always be in the middle and that's the merit of just being in the middle or just critical thinking. Um, I don't know. Like, you know, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's very, it's very, it's a, especially I went through this process a little bit later in life. Not like I, I went to American middle school, or high school, mm-hmm. learning about how to write or reading about those classics. But I, mm-hmm. it was rather late in my life as I was 19 and 20 years old. So everything started from fresh and that became my thought process. And, and it's hard to find a place. Yeah. It's hard to find a, to, it's easy, but it's also difficult. Exactly. Exactly. We will never be the same, but um, in fact, we will never, because we are different, we might never even be able to help, but just to help in a tangible way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, this conversation and it's, it's, it's painful being in the middle, but but it's also where the conversation, the spark happened. And I yes. think that's what we're trying to do here is just to turn the table around mm-hmm. to see different perspectives who are from the people who are in the middle or about to go into the middle like you. I know it's no, not easy for you either. So I think you are already doing it. 
start initiating this conversation and lead a conversation and starting the new page of the Spark Podcast, I think is amazing. Mm. I I used you said it perfectly. I feel like this right here, this conversation is highlight it, it highlights everything that we are trying to do with this. And I earlier I said, you know, it's threefold and I shared that it's each of us changing the or shifting the mindsets and perspectives of our own um, people of our own cultures and communities. And then it's also to shift one another's perspectives and make each other think about different things, just you and I. But the third is also bringing, putting a platform out there where others can share their stories and their perspectives. And so, um, I really hope that's, that's what we can continue to do. Even though knowing we're different, but also find places to understand, well, to relate mm-hmm. or to carry the conversation going because more often than not, people think because they're different, so there will never be a conversation happen. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. there are ways and right. um, there are sparks. So mm-hmm. I think I think that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for this conversation well, thank you. today, thank Amy. You. Amy. <laughs> I know, like it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's I'm the magic. <laughs> Me too. I know. Yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned. Uh, we have more uplifting things in the future, and we're not the only ones. We're caught in the middle. Um, there are people who are doing wonders while they're cutting in the middle. So mm-hmm. we're going to disclose that in the future. Mm-hmm. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation. Connect with us on Instagram at spark underscore podcast and Facebook at the spark podcast with Megan Amy, or send us an email at hello spark podcast at gmail.com. And wherever you may be listening from, we hope you have the courage to be the spark.